0: On tonight's Midcourt Madness, John, we just witnessed perhaps the game of the tournament, perhaps the best game in the last two years. Remember, John, there was no tournament last year. And the ga- And now we've set up the game we've all been waiting for. We've got Gonzaga-Baylor. We had a Final Four. It delivered. I'm excited.
1: Biggs, I have literally nothing to add to that except congrats on your first ever intro. But uh, let's get into it.
0: All right, John. Let's pick it up here. Final four just concluded. Whew. It was a crazy game. That was. I know everybody's saying like the the Suggs shot was was like the best shot of. I don't know. It's up there. It's up there with like the Christian Leitner shot, the Chris Jenkins shot. I I don't know if it. I don't know if it's like goes down as maybe one of that, that kind of level of shot. But I mean, when you're packing in the pressure of an undefeated season, a freshman who is going to be, you know, everybody's obsessed over going to be a top, probably a five pick in the draft knocks down the shot with all the, the pressure of little Gonzaga knocking out the blue blood and, you know, avoiding the huge upset. That's big time stuff.
1: Yeah. And you know, you talk about some of those big shots and a couple more. I want to add Luke may against Kentucky. Um, Momdi Diakite yeah. against uh, Purdue in the Elite Eight a couple years ago. That was a great yeah. shot. People, a lot of people forget. Earth and then camp. I'm a North Carolina fan, so I'm just gonna say this: the, probably the most forgotten shot of all time. Marcus Page, double clutch against Villanova f- before the Chris Jenkins shot.
0: Ooh. I would say if we want to just stick with all the Carolina big shots, I mean Wayne Ellington knocked on some big shots, and they beat Clemson back in the day to to keep that North Carolina streak of always beating North uh, Clemson. Uh, that's kind of gone away, but uh, rip to the North Carolina owning Clemson thing. Uh, Wayne Ellington always knocked down some really big shots. Uh, pretty sure Rashad McCann's probably knocked down some big shots. Uh, let's see, Joel Berry probably hit some big shots. Justin Jackson, Theo Pinson. Can we just keep going with all these North Carolina? Michael Jordan. As much shot? as I
1: I would love to do that, we probably shouldn't. Fair. <laughs> but no, Biggs, It was just a great all around game. You know, as far as like the biggest lead throughout the game, I don't know if it ever got above six for either team. Um, Just back and forth. Um, UCLA, we talked about at halftime, seemed to have played the perfect first half, and yet they are down, down by one. And then, you know, we're going through the second half. Gonzaga gets it. They might have gotten to seven now that I think about it. Um, And at that point, I'm thinking, God, I think they're going to pull away at this point. That's probably five to eight minutes in. But no, UCLA, to their credit, came back. Um, Gonzaga would try and get that lead out and UCLA would just keep hitting big shots. And then right at the end, they had their chance. Uh, some people thought it might have been a block. Some people thought it might have been a charge. Um, I think they got it right. And then we got free basketball because of it. And then a great overtime.
0: Yeah, the overtime, you just, I, I, I don't know about you, I just, watching the game, I just kept waiting, kept waiting, kept waiting for that Gonzaga kind of tidal wave run for the, for them to go on kind of that, you know, we talked about that—that that spurtability kind of run where they go on that 12-0 run to finally get some breathing room, and and it just never really manifests. I think they got a five-point lead even in overtime after I think yeah. Kispert hit a three, and you kind of breathe a sigh of relief if you're if you're Gonzaga thinking, all right, well, we're up by we're up by two full possessions, and then nine seconds later, Hockez uh, comes down and knocks down a three to get it right yeah. back to two with I don't know maybe 45 seconds left. I don't remember exactly, but they just never pulled away. Neither team really could. There were moments in the second half where. I know Every time you, you watch Gonzaga, I don't think there's been an, a single moment throughout this tournament, even throughout the West Coast Conference Tournament, they're down 10 to BYU or something at halftime and playing terrible. There was never a point in any of those games up until this one where I thought Gonzaga might lose. They're down by three, I think, with like two minutes to go in this game. And I thought, okay, we're, it's nut cutting time. We're, we're down here to the final moments here. And they are they haven't been in this kind of situation. We just don't have something to, we don't have a reference point for this Gonzaga team to see, hey they've been in this situation where they're they're blowing people out. Games are usually decided in the first maybe 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of the game. And usually they're running away from people really, really fast, really, really early. Uh, And it was, it was really, it was really interesting to see them have to grind their way through that. And and then even in the overtime, it just really never felt safe. And I mean, it wasn't, obviously they had to, they didn't, they didn't really have the lead until their very final. Yeah.
1: And one more thing, you know, I saw, I watched the highlight of that last shot by Suggs. And I don't know if it was just UCLA in the moment, you know, a little premature celebration. They didn't pick up Suggs until after half court. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, that was. Uh, and we talked. I talked about that with with another one of my friends. That you know, a lot of times when you when you get a play like that, defensively, you got to be able to make the guy turn directions. You got to make him. Yep. You got to make him cross over or change directions, take out the rhythm. Because if you're able to just run all the way into it, kid's still got to make a 35 foot, you know, running three pointer, which is no which is no joke, but. He was able to get by by end of the game kind of when you got to go three quarter court to get a shot off standards pretty clean yep. look right i mean it wasn't really contested he was able to kind of pull up into it and does he make that shot one out of what 20 times one out of 50 times i don't know but yeah defended it wasn't it wasn't really defended all that well and you know, I, it was interesting you talk about the Diakite shot Mamady Diakite from Virginia back in the day and i know one of the big big things that everybody kind of remembers about that shot was that the pass into that shot. Clark picking the ball up in one handed, just flinging it all the way down the floor for Diakite. Uh, And the shot was not an easy one. If I remember, it was kind of like a one-handed kind of teardrop from like the elbow. But uh, I don't think what's, I don't think Kispert's uh, Kispert's presence of mind to quick pick up the ball and inbound right after getting scored on. There's no sort of woe is me. Damn it. We're going Mm -hmm. to second overtime. I guess here we, we got five more minutes. He quick gets the ball in. I mean, he flings it to Suggs. I mean, it, it's like bing bing. It's like they've practiced, like, hey, we're going to give up a bucket here. We got to go down and get the shot off really, really fast. That was an impressive presence of mind, yeah. I think, too.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And the same thing was said. I remember, and sorry, sorry, everyone. I'm going to get on North Carolina again. But the Luke May yeah. shot, you know, um, Calipari was saying he's trying to call a timeout after um, Malik Monk hit his three. Slow but down. Kennedy Meeks is able to get it into Theo Pinson just right away. And then Theo Pinson was able to dribble down the court. and you know, Kentucky was not able to set up their defense and that's what led to Luke May shot and similar here. they And I don't know if um I'm blanking on his name right now. Cronin. I don't know if Cronin's trying to call time out there or not, but if he was, he didn't have time to and Jalen Suggs is able to get down the floor. Um, and like you said, they didn't make him change directions at all. He was just flying down the floor, able, able to get, you know, a few feet inside the three-point line. And if they were up on him and just made him switch directions a couple times, he's probably trying to do a runner from past half court. And that makes all the difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, uh it, it was impressive. I mean, what a game though. I mean, I, I mean, really figure if out if we're going to nitpick like the final three seconds of the game, the kind of defense and stuff like that. I mean, who knows? I mean, who, the kid still has to make uh, an insane, like I said, one out of what, 20 per one out of 20 times. He probably makes that shot in that moment. I mean, that's, that's big time. Uh, just the game itself was was absolutely incredible yeah
1: and just to touch on some players some uh big performances here first one is your boy Johnny Juzang his run unfortunately ends but he did have another great game if you look at his scoring output this tournament's 23 27 17 13 28 29 that's just remarkable
0: yeah it's like 25 points a game almost in in the tournament and uh I mean he needed they needed all of it and he was he was terrific he had 20 the efficiency I think is is maybe the biggest thing I don't I don't know if you have shot attempts and all that but he had 29 last night on 12 18 shooting I mean it just seems like every single time the kid got a bucket last night was, every time he got the ball and pulls up it's like it's just money in the bank I mean he was he was absolutely outstanding he shot better from the the only time you get him to miss is when he went 2 of 4 from the free throw yeah. line I mean he was he was terrific and I'm I'm almost wondering like you know I we're getting to that point in the season here where you start kind of forecasting. It's like, all right, what's, what's next season start to look like. And, and that's getting more and more tenuous because of the amount of transfers and, and, and different coaching changes. So who knows with, with all the recruits that, that maybe opt out of their different, their, their commitments. And now they recommit somewhere else where a coach is going, but it's, it's easy to look at this UCLA team and go, all right, all five of these starters are going to be back. If, uh, if, if Chris Smith decides to come back for like a red shirt season, uh, do you think
1: Juzang is back? Like,
0: that's exactly, that. You, 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 that's where I was going. I mean, I, have we seen Johnny Juzang in a, are we going to see him in a UCLA uniform? At I think he's got to go.
1: I mean, Titus and Tay were talking about like, yeah. he might've, he probably for sure pushed himself into that lottery pick level. He might be like a top, Maybe. top five with the performance.
0: No, he's not going to be a top five. But it's close. But uh, he's probably up in, into the first round yes. range. And if you're, if you're a first round pick, I mean, the kid, and I think, that's probably the value of him reclassing last year is that he's still not, I think he's still pretty young. You know I mean? He, he's a sophomore and the older you get, you know, the less of a prospect you become and kind of the, 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 NBA eyes, but because he reclassed last year, you know, he's, he's like a, he's still only like 19, I think. So like, he's not exactly old. Um, he'd obviously, he can obviously shoot the hell out of the ball. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I selfishly as a college basketball fan, I hope he's back as UCLA could be, could be a force next year. And, um, I think that could be a lot of fun yep. even either way. I think they're going to be good as long as, I mean, who knows With kids transferring for reasons that I, that I never understand, but, uh, he was just, he was absolutely amazing. And, and we talked about it, you know, a couple days ago, not only do they need him to play really well, they need Tiger Campbell to play really well. They need Jaime Jaquez to play Jaime Jaquez Junior to play really well. They need Riley to play really Which well.
1: Which he did. We got to touch on that.
0: And all these guys and all these guys played extremely well. Yeah. All of them. I mean, it did feel a little bit like that 85 Villanova thing where, um, you know, it's not like Gonzaga was playing poorly, at least offensively. I mean, they're not playing much defense. Um, but UCLA was just on a, just on a, in a zone offensively, and they are just cooking. It wasn't even like they – you know, I, I said I think the only way that they keep this game close is if they morph into like that Virginia kind of thing where they really, really slow the game down. And you saw that at points in the game where they're really trying to. But there were also points in the game where like you could, it's like they're almost trying to take – take the air out of the ball and slow it down. And like, they're still just generating wide open shots and their offense was just cooking, you know, and, and it wasn't like they were getting everything in transition. It's like, they are just, they're operating at a really high level uh, in the half court. Yeah.
1: And um, another thing I want to mention, how about that play, you know, sort of got lost, um, you know, with everything else happening after it. Um, but Jalen Sugg's block on Cody Riley, gets uh a, gets a, I don't think he got the rebound he got he got an outlet pass but then the pass to Timmy right after that
0: that's the kind of stuff when he when he does that kind of stuff he flashes and that's when you know a casual basketball fan and, and, and so much of like I think what what is is kind of taken over like the basketball watching world and like the NBA uh it's all it's so much highlights now right it's not it, it's individual even just snippets and, and maybe that's kind of a cultural thing is like these six second clips where guys just like, wow, the hell out of you. And, and he has that. He's not maybe the most consistent. Mean, he's a freshman. So like he has consistency things where from game to game, it's like, God, was it was Suggs in the game? What'd he do? He had, you know, he had eight points and six assists or something. Uh, but then he has, he has moments like that where you see that and you go, Holy shit, how is this guy not going to be the number one pick? I mean, that's just, that's, that's big time stuff. I think I've said that now three or four mm-hmm. times, but he has moments like that where you just go, Oh my God, like, that's a freshman out there. He blocks, he comes out of nowhere on the help side, blocks the biggest dude on the floor and, and then throws like a 70 foot bounce pass to a, to a guy running down the paint. He's had a handful of those over the course of the season here where he where he just throws these absolute dime bounce passes in transition. He's electric and he's not maybe the most consistent guy right now, but again, he's, he's 19 or whatever. He has moments like that where you see that and you just go, my my goodness. And I mean, that was, I, I don't even know if I can call it a turning point in the game because the game ended up you know, being decided on, on the last second shot. But it was, a, it was just plays like that. I mean, that wasn't even the only one. I mean, there were just so many massive moments and massive plays from both sides. It was just a terrific, just felt like one of those heavyweight boxing matches where both teams would throw just these monster haymakers and their team would take it. And then they'd throw a haymaker of their own, you know, because I'm guessing, I don't remember the exact play-by-play, play, but my guess is right after that, Timmy Dunk, UCLA came down and got a bucket.
1: Yeah, very well could have. And so, yeah, Gonzaga pushes through to... uh to monday night um and you know we've talked about how these national title teams seem to always have that game during the tournament where they're really tested um virginia had that you know we we already mentioned the Momdi d shot against purdue that was their game and then they survived that they also had it in the final four when uh kyle guy had to get fouled and make three free throws to win that game um And this is that game for Gonzaga. We've already talked. Baylor has had it. Uh, They had it last weekend, and Gonzaga has had theirs, and now they are meeting up. And, you know, let's get into that Baylor game. Um, That one
0: wasn't much fun to watch, not going to lie. No, who would have thought? I mean, I I know neither of us would have, and I don't think anybody else really covering that. I don't know how you realistically could have gone into, like, into Saturday morning thinking, all right, one of these games is going to be great, one of these games is going to suck, and it was the complete opposite of what actually played out. One game did one, went, one game was great and the other did suck. And it was the Baylor Houston game that kind of mm-hmm. sucked, you know, unless you're, unless you're a Baylor fan and you just love, you just love your Baylor bears and you just want to see them steamroll beams, uh, you know, from a, from a neutral perspective, man, that game was awful. Yeah. And, and it was over, it was over Ten- fairly early. You could tell like worst case scenario, your Houston gets stuck in the mud and Baylor's just got a little more juice. And, and that played out almost to a T. I mean, they just, they couldn't keep up. They not only couldn't keep up offensively, but then the defense Baylor was just operating on on a whole another level. And I mean, that was exactly the kind of thing I think that sets up Mon- what makes Mondays setup up so well is that Baylor looked like a, a viable challenger to what Gonzaga has been all season, which is a juggernaut. Baylor looked every bit kind of the juggernaut capable of taking them down, and, and Gonzaga looked like they've got a little crack in the armor. and And here we go. Now we've got a, a couple of Goliaths going at each yep. other.
1: And so yeah, Davion Mitchell was just huge that game. He had twelve points, eleven assists, and somehow he was more effective on defense. You look at the box score at halftime. It was, I think it was Sasser had seventeen, and then one I can't remember who it was had two points, and another player had one point, and that was it as far as points for Houston.
0: Yeah, they took they took uh, they took Giroux and Quentin Grimes both just completely out of the game. Neither of those two guys really really did anything offensively of note. I think they. Probably combined for about ten or twelve points, and, and you're just not going to win if you're Houston with the, with those two guys not giving you anything. You just need more. They just don't have. You know, we talk about with Baylor with you know Matthew Meyer can come off the bench, Adam Flagler can come off the bench, Chamo Chachima, uh, Chamwa squared can come off the bench. All three of those guys I think had double figures last night. Houston just doesn't have that kind of juice really off their bench. They don't have guys that can come in and basically impact or change the game over the course of a couple minutes even. They need Grimes. They need Giroux. They need Sasser, and they need to dictate things on. They need to play on their terms. You know, they need to play slow, and they just couldn't. You can't win this game if you're in the 80s. Um, and, and Baylor can. You know, they've just got so much firepower and so many weapons. And, and that was, and that just killed them. And you're right. I mean, Mitchell Mitchell was matched up, I think, a lot at least early on. Giroux Giroux goes three of ten from the field. You know, he scores six points, and that that's mm-hmm. what that's kind of a big difference. Yeah, just really. And he had five turnovers, you know, that's huge. And, and, and Mitchell is, I mean, he's, he's really getting a ton of attention in this tournament for just the kind of, the kind of juice and fire he plays with. And I mean, he's, he's an impact player. He's one of the, I think he's the the defensive player of the year in the country, one of the best perimeter defenders. And and there's a reason he's kind of boosted his stock. And now a lot of people have him as kind of a, a potential high first round draft pick next year. And I mean, he's really playing his way into that kind of mix. I mean, you, you just watch him play and I, I'm not sure, you know, we watch Gonzaga and, and you think, I don't know who the best player in this team is sometimes. I think it might be Timmy, uh, even though he's kind of, he, he sometimes gets, you know, forgotten about when you're talking about Kispert and Suggs. And I think, you know, all the all the hype, at least early in the season was a lot on Jared Butler and Butler's going to get a lot more, I think a little more pub, uh, but Mitchell, if you watch them play and you think like he, he kind of is the difference maker for them because when he's going really mm-hmm. well, they're, they're a force. I mean, 11 assists and zero turnovers. That's, that's, I think, the big thing. And, you know, I was talking, you know, we were, we were talking last week about this. I think when Baylor, Baylor can settle into this, they, they fall into this kind of your turn, my turn kind of trap sometimes. And it, because their guards are so dynamic, it, it can work, right? They, they can dribble the air out of the ball. They get a little dribble happy sometimes and the ball kind of stops moving. And, and that's what kind of allowed, I think, Wisconsin to get back in the game after they got up to a huge lead on them in the second round. Arkansas was the kind of the same thing. They got out to a, just a monster lead playing this, you know, moving the ball around and, and, and sharing it and cutting and passing and knocking down open threes. And then they kind of stopped and they went into this your turn, my turn thing, and Arkansas was able to kind of get their chip away at that. Um, last night, there was really none of the your turn, my turn stuff. And, and it's it, the evidence is 23 assists on 29 made field goals. I mean, that's beautiful. He had 23 assists and nine turnovers mm-hmm. as a team. And it's not just Davion Mitchell getting all of them. I know he had eleven, but your other two guards combined for ten. They had six and four apiece. Like the ball was moving, and that's always good evidence for me is is when multiple guys have a bunch of assists. It's not just one guy dribbling the air out of the wall and, and getting assists at the last second. I mean, hey, 29 on 29 I made field goals. I mean that's or 23 on 29 I made field goals. That's if they play like that, I think that I think they're better yeah, than Especially because really they, they
1: shot 52% from the field, 46 percent from three. That's just remarkable. And you know, if they win, or if they win, if they play the way they did last night, tomorrow night, um, they win, and they might win by double digits. To be honest, um, unless Gonzaga plays better, Gonzaga had a. It's, it's tough saying they had an off night. Isn't that weird? Like, they took the best shot from UCLA, still won. And it's something. It just seemed like something was left to desired with their performance.
0: Well, I think what was left to be desired was that they they gave up ninety points. You know, I mean, their their defense wasn't their offense. Their offense was outstanding. I mean, look at their two point field goal percentage. They went thirty of like forty two mm. from two. That's that's insane. You know, and they they just they're not going to wow you with with insane amounts of like three pointers. We've we've talked about that a bunch, right? They just don't rely on the three ball a ton. I know. They scored ninety three so points. So weird. I mean, the, their offense was fine. It's just yeah. UCLA scored ninety. You know, I mean, that's just. You don't expect that. You think Gonzaga wins 93 to 75, and it was, uh, you know, the train was just right on the tracks. UCLA was just scoring a ton. And, and that's the thing that I fear a little bit. Is, is Gonzaga's defensive metrics are really strong. They're like a top five or 10, 10-palm defense. Boy, it just, it looked, it, I mean, I know UCLA made some shots last night, but I don't think there was a ton of shots that I watch and go, yeah. they're just getting really lucky. They're getting wide open. They're getting open shots. You know, your guy Riley knocked down. Four or five open fifteen foot jumpers, and and maybe we've been conditioned to think like big screen setting big man is kind of a brainless oaf who can't make anything outside of three feet. That's a Division one basketball player knocking down a wide open fifteen foot jump shot. That that shouldn't shock us, right? And 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 Juzang gets he gets a he gets a bunch of shots that he can make, and, and maybe every once in a while we're thinking like, gosh, how does he keep making this? It's been six games in the tournament, and he keeps making these shots. So maybe he's just good at it. You know, and some of these, shots, I mean, I don't think I don't think there were a lot of shots where UCLA throw them up, and you go, "It's just one of those nights where UCLA's making everything." I think Gonzaga's defense was just not not great, you know. And that's I think the the disappointment area comes from. Their offense is Did still. You
1: see, points. so I saw someone tweet this last night: a shot charts comparing UCLA and Gonzaga, and it's very remarkable that this game was, you know, this close, considering um, you know, in a day of analytics and in a day of looking at the most efficient shots on the on the courts like sort of the maury ball from the houston rockets if you look at Gonzaga's shot chart it's all three-pointers layups you look at ucla's they made so many shots and attempted so many shots from like that free throw line area the least efficient shot in basketball and still was able to keep up with gonzaga i think and like it makes sense. Like, Juzang, yeah, he's obviously, he can shoot from the outside, too. But he likes to take that sort of mid-range shot. And same as Hawkes too.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That They were, I mean, they were just, they were terrific operating in that area. I mean, they've got big, they got big guards. I mean, all, all of those guys are kind of in that 6'6", 200, 220-pound kind of range, where, you know, Gonzaga has, has good-sized guards. But, I mean, UCLA's got kind of an advantage from that perspective. And you watch... You know, Juzang, Juzang drives in there and kind of a one or two dribble kind of pull up and, and guys just, he's, he's just good at elevating and finishing over smaller defenders. And a lot of times they would have either IAE or Suggs or, you know, one of those guys are, are, are Nemhard kind of guarding him. I mean, he's just, they're really good in that area of the floor. And that's kind of a lost art. As you kind of mentioned, the NBA kind of has, has, uh, has, has trained us to only take threes and only take layups. And, and that's what Gonzaga does. I mean, they get a ton of stuff in the paint, you know? Um but you're right. UCLA was terrific in that in that kind of area of the floor, and and maybe that is kind of the, the, uh, uh, the market inefficiency efficiency is if you play this game over and over and over again, and maybe those mid range shots don't fall at the same kind of ratio they did last night. And Gonzaga does win by 18 more often than than not, uh, but they're still good shots. I mean, they're they're open. I mean, you can't turn down a wide open elbow line jump shot some of those things that that UCLA was getting. It was like Gonzaga was kind of okay giving those shots up and they just kind of kept making
1: them. So Biggs, all of this has led to previewing tomorrow night's game. And we have a game that was taken away from us in December. I believe it was December 5th, a game coincidentally also in Indianapolis. Um, the, The morning of gets canceled due to COVID. We have Gonzaga. We have Baylor long thought all season to be the two best teams in the country. And it's really the first time since I think it was 2005 that we have the number one and number two teams as far as like the bracket reveal um, that we have the number one and number two teams battling out for the championship. And this might be the most anticipated championship game since then. Now it's 2005, North Carolina, Illinois. Um, What matchup most intrigues you in this game?
0: I mean, how do you not go with the the Suggs Davion Mitchell point guard matchup? I think those two guys are are not only maybe like the best players on the team. I mean, I, I would I would go that far. I think both those guys are like the X factor pieces for the for each of their teams, and in, in that the team kind of goes as those guys go. And Suggs, you know, I know uh, uh, Jeff Borzello I think tweeted after the BYU you know, WCC championship game. He said something like, you know, Suggs is their X factor, and, and you got a bunch of folks saying how can a top five pick be an X factor? It's like, well, he's not their best player right now. He's their best prospect. Mm-hmm. That's a, There's a big difference there. Um, but he he gives Gonzaga just a higher ceiling than any other Gonzaga teams in the past. You know, Corey Kispert, Gonzaga has that type of player pretty much year in and year out. You run back through the last, like, 20 years of Gonzaga teams, they have guys that are like Corey Kispert. Drew Timmy, Gonzaga consistently has players that are that are like Drew Timmy. Maybe not quite as good as either of those guys, but... They've got good big guys. They've got good swingmen who can kind of score it. The only other team that Gonzaga has had that has been this good was in 2017 when they went to the title game.
1: Mm-hmm. Their point
0: guard was Nigel Williams Goss, the transfer from Washington. You know, a next-level point guard who can really change the game. They just they don't have that kind of a, an athlete at that spot usually, and that's where Suggs gives them a difference. He he is a legitimate difference maker and and like I said, he's not always he's not always the best player on the floor, but when he plays to his kind of ceiling, he, he can be. He can be the best player on the floor and can absolutely dominate games when he wants to. He did it against Iowa. He was the best player on the floor in large stretches against Kansas really early in the year. Um, I think he was the big difference. And you saw when when he kind of went down against West Virginia, that was the one game that Gonzaga really got pushed way early in the season. Against BYU, he did kind of the same thing. He, he kind of lies dormant. And then when he awakens, he awakens in a big way. Uh, I, think, I think when he plays like that, if he can play that way against Baylor, I think they've got – you know, great chance. And then Davion Mitchell, I mean, you watch when, when he got in foul trouble against Arkansas, that was when Arkansas kind of started chipping away and, and making a big run in the Elite Eight. Uh, when Davion Mitchell is, is playing at his best, as you mentioned, he's the best two-way guard probably in the country. He's he's elite on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, and so much about basketball, at least at the college level, is about kind of dictating tempo. And he's awesome at it. I mean, he he basically sets the tempo for them. He's He's a bulldog defensively and he can get you 15 points and like six assists and just kind of control the game uh, from that point guard spot. So I don't know. How, I mean, yeah, you, I think you got a big you got a different the matchup.
1: One? I'm looking forward to, isn't really one specific player from Baylor. It's just, can they, as a group with, you know, Chamba Chachua, uh, Flo Thamba with Matthew Meyer, can they at least just slow down? Drew Timmy's trying to keep him to, you know, 10 to 12 points. Um, and, I know it's. I'm taking the easy way out here. I'm basically saying the same thing as I did with Cody Riley against um, Drew Timmy, but that'll be the key to them. They have to stop at least one of those big three, and then also hope that you know, Joel Ayayi doesn't go off for 22 points either.
0: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great point, and I I like the. uh, Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I'm intrigued to see. You know, with Gonzaga and UCLA, it's interesting because. Really neither team wants to play more than like six and a half guys. They really don't go into their bench much. Right? Gonzaga's guards play a ton of minutes. Timmy usually plays a lot of minutes. He's been in foul trouble the last couple of games, it seems like. Uh does Baylor have kind of the offensive punch that can that can get a couple of these guys in foul trouble? And Baylor has. Uh, they got three guys off the bench that can really come in and change the game. And, and and in a game like this where we're we're measuring just like the slimmest of margins, what little thing can kind of what ace in the hole can kind of put you over the top? couple of those bench guys like Matthew Meyer when he comes in the guy can the guy can fill it up in like mm-hmm. a really small amount of time he can he his in flamethrowers um it'll be interesting to see if Gonzaga can can defend all those guys because if if Timmy gets in foul trouble and, and for whatever reason he's got two fouls you know eight minutes into the game then you're you're really you're really at a position of weakness here because they're not really built to I mean they don't they don't necessarily rely on any one individual player that's what makes Gonzaga so special, but. They also don't have eight or nine guys like Baylor does that you can throw out there on the floor and and really trust. Yeah, you, know, you have Anton Watson who like does kind of the dirty work stuff for them and, and is a nice is a nice defensive player. Yeah, he's out there to you know set picks and like roll to the rim, but he plays good defense. Um, but I mean, Timmy's me, just a whole other level of a player. So you got to keep him on the floor. It, it'll be really interesting because Baylor has a lot a lot more firepower in terms of, like, strength in numbers, you know?
1: Biggs, did you enjoy, um, I thought about this at the end of the game, that ucla Gonzaga game, Drew Timmy taking that charge, and they made such a big deal about how, you know, he risked it with four fouls. It's like, well, if it is a block, and yes, he would then foul out. I mean, it's two free throws with a second left, and the game's over anyway.
0: I honestly didn't think a second about it, that he had four fouls. I mean, that was just kind of like, it feels like that's one of those where, it's it's the very end of the game, you're in the final five seconds, you're probably not thinking a second about how many fouls you got. It's just kind of almost like a, a reaction kind of thing. Like like when my dog hears the doorbell ring, he barks. Uh, when a woman hears um Man I feel like a woman, you know, by Shania at the bar, they turn into a woo-girl. I think Drew Timmy sees Johnny Juzang driving and he steps up into the lane to try to stop him. I think I think it's a, a pure reaction thing for him. And I mean that was a huge, massive play. I mean, think about the stones how easy would it be if you're a big guy there to like come screaming in and like jump and like not stay vertical. I'm, I'm like making my hand motion right now. Like I'm sticking my hands to the sky and I'm like blocking the shot while I sit on the couch. Um, how easy would that be though for, for a guy to come in there and basically not take the charge, but try to try to meet him at the rim. And, and at that point you probably have like a 70, 30 chance of getting a foul call.
1: Yeah. Especially in the, in nowadays you think of like, you know, High school athletes getting their mixtape out there, and they want those big, giant blocks that go 10, ten rows into the stands. You yes, just, yes. just sitting there. You just old. sitting there. Wait a <laughs> As you would say, I'm yelling at the clouds right now.
0: No, they deserve it.
1: <laughs> also, should we should we do our uh, charge versus block rants that, and how we love the charge, and other people are just hold on, I'm, waging I'm, a war against it.
0: I'm looking outside right now, and there are a couple of clouds that are just. Pissing me off out there. I, I cannot stand them. Um, I'm I'm advocate of the charge. I, I know it's become like a popular kind of thing here, especially this year. Where it has gotten a little out of control. The amount that the referees love the charge call, and, and I've I recognize that. Refs love the charge call, and I think uh, I think it's Titus who always says like if you change it from you know they can they can put their, they, they give out the huge kind of strikeout punch sign. If you change that to like if they've got to do like jazz hands or something. Like refs are not going to like the charge call is going to go way down. I, I've been, I've been, I've thought that for a long time. that No, I, I, I love the
1: showmanship. I love it. I want more bigs. I want and,
0: more. And so, do, and so do refs. And I think that's why the charge call is as popular as it is. There's, there's, I'm so conflicted on this because there's part of me that's like, you know, the, the charge call does get a little, it's not 50, 50 anymore. Like refs will call charge on so many things. I don't know what the percentage is, but like, there's a lot of them where the guy is moving. And it's like, it's a bad call. And there's another part of me that's like, you know what? There are enough rules in sports now that all benefit offense. Can we mm-hmm. can we make life a little easier for defenders? They got nothing. Like, you can't touch a guy anymore and you get a foul call. It's like, how many points do we want? You know and Boomer take alert. I like watching a little defense once in a while. I like guys <laughs> making the offensive players, like, work a little bit for their shots. Last night we had 183 points in a, in a semifinal game. So, I mean, obviously the offense ain't suffering too much. I also want to see an offensive player maybe, you know what? You don't see generally Gonzaga struggle with with offensive foul calls. You don't see Villanova struggle with offensive foul calls. You don't see good teams do it. You know why? Cuz they don't have dumbass guards uh plowing into defenders. Jump stop, you know? Play under control.
1: Make the pass or do a floater instead You're of right. trying to run or, through the guy. Or pump
0: fake, you know, like draw a foul. It's like it's not that hard to just not plow into guys all the time. I, I do think that the charge call has jumped the shark a little bit and, Red and refs are a little obsessed with it. I mean, I think it was a terrific play by Timmy and that's what mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will say, like, get that charge call out of there. We want to see plays at the rim. No, I want to see good basketball. Like, I don't, I'm not, this isn't an NBA, I need a highlight thing. I don't need dunks and blocks. Like, watch good basketball. And that's, like, a terrific basketball play. It's a heads-up play by Timmy stepping in there. I mean, that saved the game. Because, I mean, for a second there, weren't you thinking when, what were you thinking in the very moment there where Juzang's got the ball at the top of the key and he gains a step? You know, for a split second, you're like, I don't know. I I was thinking, like, I I thought
1: I was going to be a floater. If he and like if he like stops at you know the high post area, he took a couple more steps. But if he stops there and just does a floater, we might be having a different discussion right now. It might be UCLA Baylor.
0: Is there any doubt the kid makes that shot? I mean, we saw him make twelve of those shots yeah. last night. He's made those shots all tournament. Like if he takes that shot, I think it's done. And for a split second, I thought, "Wow, Gonzaga's is going down." Like this is this is amazing.
1: Yep. And then even after that whistle blew, a part of me is like. He's heading to the free throw line. He's going to make at least one of them UCLA national championship game.
0: <sighs> I, well, for one, you know, to be honest with you, I, you, you know, this, I I kind of like Gonzaga. I've always kind of liked Gonzaga and boy uh talk about a, a, a ridiculous bandwagon guy. I like North Carolina and I like Gonzaga. I have always liked both those teams or at least since the early 2000s. So I don't, but care. you're,
1: but you're polling for Baylor this year. So you're obviously not biased.
0: Right. And I'm also, I'm also a Minnesota gopher fan. So like I deserve to have teams that actually win sometimes. That's, and that's and Vikings. I pay for like my getting to root for like good teams because I also root for some really, really terrible teams. So get out of my face with them. I'm a bandwagoner. I'm just yelling at the haters right now. Nobody has ever called me a bandwagoner, but I don't care. I'm getting ahead of it. Um, <laughs> I like Gonzaga, you know, they're one of the teams that I really enjoy watching and they're one of my favorite kind of teams to watch. I found myself even last night, just like, man, this, this is a fun game. And I kind of want to see UCLA keep doing, doing their thing. And then, uh, you know, at, at the very moment of truth, I was like, fuck, I don't want to see Gonzaga go down. And, you know, it's selfishly. I've, I've talked about this before, but I think upsets are great for the tournament. Um, they're great in the moment. They're great for the first round. And then, and then eventually eventually, it becomes not great because you want the
1: best teams in the final four.
0: And I think that's what we finally got. I think UCLA, I mean, it's hard to say if UCLA would have won, like how can you discount them if they're going against Baylor? I mean, you beat Bama, Michigan and Gonzaga three straight games. I, I think you could handle Baylor too, but I do think this is the game that we've been waiting for all year. It got taken away from us in early December, Gonzaga versus Baylor. It's number one versus number two. I think without, without question, you can't really deny it. These are the two best teams all season. Baylor had about a week long hiccup where they lost a couple of games coming out of a COVID pause. Otherwise, they've been dominant. Gonzaga's been dominant. It's two teams that, you know, generally they, they're good programs, you know, they win a lot, but they don't have teams like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, when I when I think about Gonzaga and I kind of hope they get a title, I wouldn't mind seeing Baylor get one either, but it's it's from the perspective that Duke is going to have a national championship caliber team almost every year, right? Kentucky is going to have a team that can that can reasonably you can talk yourself into. They can win the national title just, just about every year. North Carolina has a lot of opportunities where they're going to have really high quality teams, you know, regularly. Kansas, same deal. Gonzaga, as good as they've been over the last 20 years, you cannot talk yourself into like they have a national title good team every year. They've had a couple. And this is one of them where they, they, are, they are legitimately good enough to do it. And I don't know, maybe maybe they'll the way they're trending, maybe they'll just keep doing that, and the pig will just get fatter and fatter and fatter, and they'll never get slaughtered. Um, I don't think they have that, though. And I think this is a rare team that can do it. So I kind of want to see them do it. And then Baylor's kind of in the same boat. So either way, I think either of these teams win. It's it's good for it's good for them, and I kind of enjoy it.
1: Yeah, Biggs, you know, I think you just put the perfect bow on this whole episode. So we're going to end here. Um, and so we have... A great game tomorrow. It starts at eight twenty. Um, we're probably going to release a pod Tuesday morning. You know, just recapping the championship game, talk about who wins. And the exciting part is, we are going to have a program and a coach get their first ever national championship.
0: John, yes. Not to cut you off. Okay. I can't let you end this pod though without without picking. Who, who are you going to pick? Do not be Ooh, a coward. Gonna... Do not do not shy away from making a selection. Pick pick <laughs> make a pick, my man. Who's winning?
1: Part of me wants to say Baylor because of how well they played and just because Gonzaga did have a little trouble. But like you, I've heard you say this so many times, but that water finds its level. I think Baylor, I think they'll still play a great game. I think it's going to be a great game. I think Baylor will find their level. I think Gonzaga will win.
0: That's a great way to end the pod. Go ahead and end it there.
1: No. You can't make me make a pick and then you're not picking one. Who are you going to pick? And then and then you're going to wrap it up because I had a good one going and you interrupted me.
0: Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's that's our on-air production meeting So, uh, for all of our listeners. Also, I have become a listener of our own pod because I don't love anything more than hearing my own voice. I'm going to pick Baylor. I really am. I love uh, – I want Gonzaga to win. I will not be shy about that. I, I like Gonzaga and I hope they win the game. Really more than anything though, I hope – It's a good game. I hope we get even just 90 or 85 to 90% of what we got Saturday night in that Gonzaga UCLA game. If it's anything like that, I don't, I don't really care who wins. I want it to be a good game. I think Baylor's the better team. I thought they're the better team all year. Um, I close my eyes and and I envision uh, Baylor just getting physical with them. And I envision their offense clicking kind of in the UCLA way. I think it will come a little easier to them. I think Baylor wins the game. I really do. You're wrapping up. And that'll do it. Boom. Look at that. We uh, we made picks. We've got Final Four picks. Uh, we've got championship picks now. Uh, that'll conclude this episode of Midcourt Madness. We'll have something for you guys uh, after the championship game on Monday night, probably coming out Tuesday. And let's just celebrate. Last, last game of the college basketball season. And let's hope it's a great one. Let's get out of here. Boom.